Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that is underscored by personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode one of season six of This Osteopathic Life. Today is my birthday, and it coincides purposefully with the birthday, the season anniversary of This Osteopathic Life. And looking back on these past five seasons and launching here into this sixth, it's amazing to consider where we were when this began, where we are now, and all that has transpired since then. We were in the midst of one of my first moves back and forth between Michigan and Oregon. And in a startup work environment where there was more downtime, there were fewer patients at the time. And so I was able to spend a lot of my time reading and researching, creating, and the podcast is one of those things that was born out of that time. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity and how it coincided with this exploration of the osteopathic concept in a new way. At that time, I was still practicing clinically, first and foremost in my work, and I also knew there were other things burgeoning, and I was looking at hosting programs in this collective community-oriented health space. I was looking at how CME could show up differently. I found some old emails from that time where I was seeking to apply for CME accreditation for various programs. And then noticing from there, with to and fro, Oregon to Michigan, more times than could ever be deemed reasonable. And on that arrival back to Michigan in the midst of the pandemic, not knowing if that was temporary or permanent, and what do either of those words actually even mean, that coaching came into play. And also noticing in the interim between there was the experience of the Health Policy Fellowship in a unique format, right? It began in person and then it had to pivot to be virtual like so many things in the world in 2020, taking those concepts into new spaces, rebirthing myself into the conference scene and lecturing, but from a coaching perspective, still bringing forward the osteopathic concept, but rather than from the hands-on space, really that thoughts-forward approach to osteopathic medicine. And like we talked about in yesterday's episode, wrapping up season five, there have been big and bold and numerous seasons of the podcast with so many episodes, so many conversations, and there have been seasons with fewer and farther between episodes, still speaking to key and core principles and noticing how the evolution of what it is that I'm doing professionally changes and shifts and also personally. And really those two things are absolutely intertwined. We are who we are wherever we find ourselves. And certainly we take different focus and you might be more jovial in one space and more buttoned up in another. But at the same time, you are always you. And how you get to express that in different areas can be really key and core to your sustainability, to your experience of burnout, 
Because if you're continuously having to put so many pieces and parts of yourself on the shelf or hide them and not even know perhaps that they are being suppressed and they're not being allowed to be expressed out into the world, it can be really quite dangerous actually to your health and to the wholeness of your person. I shared yesterday that I've been working through an Alan Watts journal with reflections and so many times, right, the profound statements that are offered, it almost seems wrong to journal, right? It's a quote on one side and a space for reflections on the other. And so many times I think there's nothing I'm going to say to enhance what has been offered here. And everything I will say is less profound and less succinct. However, right, the opportunity is to tie it into what's happening in your own life, to challenge it. I think that's always the invitation from Alan Watts and so many philosophers. They want not to have a statement, right, but a discussion, a provocation of thought for us. And offering up that idea right, of the unity of the body, mind, and spirit in osteopathic medicine. But even as we say it, right, even as you speak it into existence, and I come back to the Friends episode where Monica's leaving a message for Richard, and she says it's breezy, but she says, I'm breezy. So if you have to say it, right, it's likely not the case. And so if we have to speak the unity of body, mind, and spirit, are we actually, right, we're speaking them as separate entities, And so we're taking them away from this true union that they are, the whole, the self, the wellness of the person. Same thing for ourselves. And I do this in the opening, in the intro of every podcast episode, listing all these different ways and descriptors of being. And it helps to see the parts, right? To identify them, to notice them, to nourish them. And also to remember right, that all of them together, and I can't help but then hear Captain Planet in my head, <laughs> these forces combined, right? We are Captain Planet. We are Dr. Beaky. We are the sociopathic life. We are who we are in this moment, wherever we find ourselves. And seeing that thread come through all the stages of our life. I've been talking about this with my oldest son, who is on the cusp of his high school graduation and collegiate career. We still have another semester of junior year and then another year of high school. But this is that time, right? That junior year, that contemplation. What do you want to do? Where would you want to go? How do you want to be? And while it can seem completely bizarre to expect a teenager to have any of those solutions, it's an opportunity to begin more steps along that path of self, of profession, of hopefully joy, enrichment, nourishment, learning that extends lifelong. And what I have been drawn to is to notice. And master noticer is a lot of what we talk about in my coaching programs. And to notice, well, what is it? Right? What is it that's true of you wherever you are? And what is it that you love to do? And I won't offer that up through his lens. That's for him to decide in his journey. And I can have my observations, but really it's for him to offer that up. And so I turn that back toward myself. So if I look over the arc of my life, who have I been all of this time? What has shown up truly for me in whatever the setting, be that elementary school or high school or college or medical school or postgraduate training in my personal life as a parent and seeing what it is that's true of me and consistent of me throughout that time. And I do note that coaching, that tendency has really been with me for as long as I can remember. And I didn't identify it as such as I've shared with you. It was that stepping into that space, the first ever coach training where they say, your job is not to show people what's wrong with them, but help them to see what's right with them. You don't have the answers. They have the wisdom within. 
all that resonated so deeply. And it really struck me as how I saw and approached the practice of medicine, even when it didn't quite fit with what is expected of a physician, because the expectation is often to diagnose, right, to find the pathology, and that has its place, and then to find the solution, to fix, to treat, to cure, in all of those words, right? We could unpack all of those over many episodes and we have in different iterations in the past, but noticing that never felt like what it was I was meant to be doing and what it was I was actually doing in that space. And while there is meritability for that, there's a place for it absolutely in the practice of medicine. As I talk to more and more physicians, especially in the current climate, there is this desire to not always right, be hunting for disease and fighting against things in the body, but to welcome in the health. And now asterisk here, and really just a bold statement, no parenthetical framework needed to say absolutely surgery and emergent interventions absolutely so necessary. And I have to come back to the CrossFit model around health and around medicine, around sickness and wellness, and really the idea that so many buckets of what has comprom- compromised <laughs> Freudian slip, what comprises medical care, are really health and wellness oriented that should be preventive. Right, So things like fitness and diet and sleep and all those factors could really stave off so much of what ends up being treated in the medical system as chronic disease, especially chronic metabolic disease. And there are others that do absolutely need modern medical intervention as we know it, Right, this disease-oriented approach where we have a certain genetic disease perhaps, or an injury, right? Acute trauma, absolutely. We need some of those surgical and emergent interventions and there are places for them. But so much of medicine really could be in coming to it sooner, right? Offering up lifestyle approaches and we see that burgeoning, right? The lifestyle medicine academy and certification and approach absolutely is growing and that's so needed. And for me, that really has been osteopathy all along finding out where is the health, how do we nurture the health, and yes, we acknowledge that disease happens and also needs to be treated. However, right, that doesn't have to be the only way that we approach the practice of medicine. And I hear that from so many colleagues, and for me, coaching has really opened up that space to say, let's see what is well with you, what is good with you, how we harness that, and the challenges you have, you have the wisdom to overcome them, and I can walk with you alongside this, but you truly have those skills. And I noticed how much that resonated with me, and I didn't realize how much that had contributed to discomfort in the practice of medicine. And this feels very much like a confessional here, and... What I want to note for myself and as I review this and hopefully for someone, for many of you hopefully listening, this will also speak to you if you've ever been in that space where you know you are good at what you do, you are skilled at what you do, you enjoy what you do, you have adequate, even excellent training and experience and expertise and something still doesn't quite feel right. Now, I love my patients and I love the work that I do and To this day, right, osteopathic manipulative treatment is so powerful and potent. I'm so grateful that it exists because it has benefited me in so many ways. It helps my children on a regular basis because the children of a neuromusculoskeletal medicine physician seem to acquire (laughs) quite a few musculoskeletal injuries and not necessarily because the tool is a hammer, everything is a nail. But I think it's just, you know, that energetic attractiveness of those systems. And in any case, As much as I loved all of that, there was always this element of something isn't quite right, and that might even be the best language 
there's something else here. There's some other way I am meant to be in things that I meant to do that would be a better fit. And it wasn't a complete square peg round hole situation. It was a pretty good fit, right? And a pretty workable fit. And actually, I think being in that clinical space indefinitely could work for me. And I've thought about that in a lot of different ways, what to bring back as far as practice is concerned and how much of that. And I have different iterations in process, mentally, and also out in the world with exploration. But what I noticed in arriving to coaching was it felt completely right. And so noticing that as well, we talk about near enemies, Brene Brown brings that up. And we often look at, you know, we have friends and we have enemies. And it's not the enemy that's really the true problem, because that's pretty obvious. Someone who's very much against you, opposite principles, is very clearly looking to attack you. But it's the near enemy that can be most problematic because they might look like a friend on many levels and that they would just in little ways, right, actually be undermining your cause and you wouldn't even notice right away that they might be detrimental for you. And I think about that in that near fit in the practice of medicine, right? I could have carried on just as I was, but the pandemic interrupted it. And there are these universal wisdom, these pause and pivot moments that are presented to us if we're willing to listen and to step through and to take chances. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity because while I could have continued on, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it doesn't mean that the cost might not be great in the long run. And again, I feel this need to be very clear that I have full respect and love for the privilege and the practice of medicine, for the beauty of the specialty and the specialty college and the community with which I am forever involved. And I know it will continue to emerge in the iterations that make the most sense for me because now I understand what it's like to feel fully resonant with the work that you are doing. And one thing that was always telling for me is I had colleagues who seemed very much fully resonant with the work and they were good at what they did and they gained energy from seeing their patients. They had this different level of confidence and I often would question, right, maybe I don't know enough and we could unpack imposter phenomenon for sure. Or, right, maybe I'm just not skilled enough. Maybe their outcomes are better. But I would see and hear the results from my patients and that wasn't necessarily the case. And when I arrived to coaching, I realized, oh, this is how they were feeling in that full clinical practice. They felt fully seen and fully heard and that their mission, vision, and purpose in medicine was being realized. And that's not because theirs was necessarily any different than mine, their skills, their experience, their knowledge, their patient load, whatever that was, but because they were completely in the space, right, where all the pieces aligned. And again, resonance really is that word for me that speaks out, rings out. And so for coaching, for me, that was how I understood the practice of medicine and being able to implement that with patients to start. I had patients who worked with me virtually, which is quite unusual when you're 100% hands-on in your clinical care. And we were able to see things in this new light and messages I had been trying to convey in that in-person clinical space that involved hands-on assessment and treatment. And it was difficult to get the message across because there was almost this impedance of the hands-on care saying, well, it's in the body, right? It's of the body and this hands-on treatment had back pain, made the back pain better. So you fixed it, doc. And there was this lack of depth of understanding of what was actually going on. 
And when that had to be removed because we were no longer in person in these temporary spaces around the start of the pandemic, I would say the same words I had been saying in that clinical space, but that were always layered over the hands-on treatment. And so there was that confounding variable. What is actually going on here? And again, not to say there aren't benefits from hands-on treatment, but there was more there in drawing those lines and making those connections and building in that awareness with and for the patient around that was limited because it was confounded by the hands-on aspect. When that was taken away, when that was removed, and we only had the ability to look at those factors, discuss them, and experience things of the body in an energetic way rather than a totally tactile and physical and palpable way, then major changes started to happen. And for me, that was powerful in that clinical realm, seeing this missing piece and how it could be beautifully partnered with the hands-on care and finding different ways and different nuance to speak that to patients and perhaps right having a hybrid version where sometimes we don't have hands-on treatment so we can open up this space and have this approach and then sometimes we do and that may be a brilliant way to move forward. My coaching allowed for that expansion to really show the person what it was they had within and for me that felt like a line that went all the way back to my origin story and probably beyond. Helping others to see what is good and brilliant and beautiful and possible within them is just a part of my whole lived experience. And that comes out in different ways, right? That comes out in competitive ways where we push one another. I talked about my co-captain and I talked about being you know, first chair in orchestra and there are always elements of competition there. The person with whom you are competing to achieve those spots and to level up in your excellence. In drawing that out of others and having them draw it out of you has been a part of my lived experience throughout. Academics, athletics, artistry, all of those factors of life. And so seeing that coach persona and how it has been expressed throughout and knowing also that there are coaches that we know in athletics and they can be big personalities and very direct and very extroverted and very demanding and outspoken. And that's one way of being. And so if that's what you identify as coach, you might think, well, no, I was never a coach. But when I have now seen coaches of all sorts and styles and stages of life and personalities, I can say, oh, right, there are all kinds of ways to be externally, to be seen, the way we communicate, style, all those pieces, and to still be a coach at your core. And noticing that and offering that up and saying, there is this unique me, right? And this thread that extends throughout all those factors of my life. And the more I can be that and bring that forward and not have to quiet that down and set it aside. And in medicine, I often did because the saying of, well, I'm not sure and you have the answers isn't necessarily the norm. It's not what's expected. That's not what is accepted from you in medicine, and I will say that is shifting. There is more room for that. And there's more room for the power of not knowing and the willingness to explore and the honoring of the wisdom of the person who's directly at the core of the experience. And yes, we want the knowledge, the expertise, the training, absolutely, of physicians, of all these specialties. As I've shared with you, modern medicine has touched my life in many ways, personally, my family members, and I'm so grateful right, for the brilliance and the knowledge, and the innovation and the discoveries that we have in the practice of medicine. And through that, 
the most optimal outcomes are where they do acknowledge and honor the person who's having the direct experience, right? the patient in that story. And the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship really spoke to that, the high ground of optimal care for the patient, directing policies about everything from food to education to direct healthcare policies. So holding that in that core of who are we, wherever it is that we find ourselves. And we can offer that up to how are we in all those spaces we find ourselves as well. And the C's, letter C, purposefully, comes up a lot in my work, in my programming. We talk about creativity, confidence, courage, connection, collaboration, contentment, curiosity, all of those characteristics and feelings that we can have. And curious for me is the one that really speaks to all those different spaces. And curiosity offers up room for expansiveness. And from my earliest memories, it was always, well, what more is there here? And how else could we do this? And one example that stands out for me is the assignment of a short story back in elementary school. And I believe the assignment was one page of a story, a fable, if you will, that you had to create. And I created many pages, six or more, illustrated them, bound it, put it in a cover. I mean, an elementary level construction paper cover, but still, right? It went above and beyond what was expected. And we could talk about overachievement and whether that was appropriate, but it really was this desire to say, well, what else here? And to be curious about it and to be excited about it and to know that that resonates. And to me, that's the writer me that has shown up in all these different ways, spaces and forms because I loved words and the way words could tell this tale and be expanded upon. And so I see that writer self emerging in those earliest years from a space of curiosity. Well, this is the assignment. Where could this go? Where could this take me? Where can I take the audience? And seeing curiosity come through in medicine, right? Well, what else is here? And what specialty might call to me? And in the practice of medicine directly with patients, is there some other way that we could look at this? And in coaching, how could this be utilized? And how is my experience as a physician and parent and writer and athlete going to contribute to how coaching programs can be successful in the world, bringing health to medicine for the health of all things? And looking to an entrepreneurship, it is complete curiosity all of the time because there aren't direct paths for much of what is being done. So how could we do this? Where could we go? What's available? And so seeing those core pieces of you and how they have been there all along, and if they have been obscured, obstructed, suppressed, tucked away, is there an opportunity for you to bring them out? to dust them off, to polish them up, to amplify them, to center them, to engage them in the work that you are doing now. And that might be early in your stage of work. That might be for those in your life who are like my son, really at the starting point of those journeys. You might be partway through and have worked some, but no, it's not quite what you imagined. And so is there a way to bring more of who and how you are forward to inform where it is you go next? You might be really set into your career and you actually might be doing quite well with it. And this isn't meant to undo and disrupt anything that's happening, 
But if there is opportunity for you to say, is there a little bit more of me that could make this truly resonate? Right? We're almost there. And I think about the fine tuner on the strings as I share with you about the instruments that I've been playing as of late. And just a little bit, especially on the violin, you barely move the fine tuner and it's a completely different note. And so could you make a minor adjustment to optimize the resonance? Maybe you are beyond your working career. You're in the retirement phase. And you might say, well, what here, right? And maybe especially in that moment, because you lose some sense of that identity, if you're not doing the thing, you're not going to work on a regular basis. But if I'm not doing this job, let's say, what is it that was true of me in that workspace that I can bring into this new environment where there might be less structure? And so it feels dysfunctional, right? We know that relationship of structure and function. And so it feels sometimes like you are unanchored and don't have guidance of your way, Rather than looking to external markers to tell you what to do, different activities and groups, and all of those are great resources to investigate, but check in with, well, who am I? How am I? What am I doing right now that honors that and reflects it? Or could I do more of that? And how might that guide my day-to-day and into this trajectory for however much longer I endure? So checking in with that. And I invite you to consider, maybe inquire It can be helpful sometimes to ask other people, like, what do you know of me? And take that feedback for sure. But really and truly, right, coach hat on here, listen in because you have that wisdom. You know, and you know when you have been in a space of resonance. So think back to that. And it might be quite recent. Maybe the work you're doing is that now. And I assure you, every time I arrive to coaching, whether it's a coaching call or developing curriculum or a new contract with an institution, I feel it. Right? And it is rejuvenating. It is still work, absolutely, but it's so much different to be fully there. And there is no drain. There is no sense of grating or difficulty. And not because it's not complex work, right? but it's a totally different feeling. And so I encourage you to think about that resonance space and to welcome it forward. And I shared that with you in the last episode as well, that note, right? When it played correctly, and play correctly in so much as it gives the space around it, right? It fills up everything in between so that the next note has clarity to enter in. So offer yourself the opportunity to play with that character that is true to you. That's how the grand design intended it. So it can allow for this continued echoing resonance into the rest. So you can begin that next step with clarity, Here we are at this start of season six, and we're aiming together for consistency. I invite you to help keep me accountable. Send me a message, like, rate, review the podcast. Let me know you are listening. And as we walk through this next chapter together, being more of ourselves, being fully who we are, wherever we find ourselves in this present moment, honoring that, welcoming that, inviting the resonance in. Thank you so much for being here, for being part of this podcast from its earliest days and stages and into this new iteration. I appreciate the opportunity to share thoughts, to lead discussion, and I welcome you to find me on social media at This Osteopathic Life, on Facebook or Instagram, thisosteopathiclife.com, or drop me an email at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Let's continue this discussion. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.